0: Hey folks, this is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today, super appreciate it. As you know, I do not take it lightly because your time is valuable, so we're going to get right into it. I'm here with my good friend,
1: Bedros Kulio. Kulian, man. Bedros Kulian. I knew this was going to happen. Do not edit this out. (laughs) Bedros Kulian, who is now named (laughs) Kulio.
0: Right, Like the rapper. Like the better. rapper. Right. He's awesome. Um, I'm at his headquarters at Fit Body Bootcamp. Yes, sir. Bedros, man, you <laughs> rock. Thanks for coming out, man. I love you. You're awesome. Uh, Likewise. We, just, we just also, uh, I was on his podcast, Empire Show. Yep.
1: Yeah, which is yes, a great sir.
0: podcast. Check it out. You know, I'm sure you know about Bedros, especially if you read the show notes. Um, Bedros, the founder of Fit Body Bootcamp, one of the fastest growing fitness businesses and kind of revolutionized fitness. In a large extent, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about Armenia and growing up in fucked up childhoods like both of us did. It depends on how much time we really want to go (laughs) we could probably spend hours and hours and hours chatting about all sorts of interesting things. And also like how we pivoted and got through the pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone's dealing with that kind of stuff. But thanks so much for joining me today or letting me join you. I'm in your studio.
1: Thank you for coming out, man. Really appreciate you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I first met Bedros, and, and he told his version of this story a little while ago when um, my friend Shane, who was a Navy SEAL, who trained with me. Shane was one of our SEAL
1: Fit athletes. He told me that. He, that's he, right. He trained
0: with me at the SEAL Fit Training Center. We used to, back in the day when I had the SEAL Fit Training Center, downtown Encinitas, we had 8 to 10 SEAL trainees, candidates, who either lived with us or they were local. And then we'd come every day mm-hmm. and train all day long. Every one of them made it into the SEALs, you know, over the years. What a head
1: start that gave them. Huge.
0: Right? Great guy. So he introduced us. You reached out, um, was able to help you out with an issue that you had. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I'm sitting there one day and I got this cryptic text from you, like three weeks earlier, like, look out for some package. And I was like, oh God, did I do something wrong?
1: Tick, tick, tick,
0: tick. <laughs> He's sending me <laughs> Shit. <in>. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. This guy's Armenian. What do they do over there? <laughs> <laughs> so, so and so but I packed that away didn't think too much about it. And then one day this box shows up and it's all these steaks, these wagyu steaks and I'm thinking I didn't even know what a wagyu steak was. That's kind of like I'm I'm literally buried so deeply in my own work. That yeah. That I don't Wait, you really didn't
1: know what a wagyu steak was? I did not was? know what a
0: wagyu steak. I've really? heard of Kobe steak. I'd never heard okay. of it. <laughs> So Actually, it's a freaking box of wagyu steaks, and I'm and I'm like, I've oh, inti- I'm like, again. oh, interesting. That's uh, really a really nice gift. <laughs> and uh, so I texted bedros and I said, hey, um, uh, you know, do you want me to bring them up here to eat, or do you want to come down and
1: barbecue? That was such a cool approach, man. Really, I-, I told you, like, I've sent steaks to like 600 people. No one has been like, hey, you want to eat this together? Really? <laughs> yeah, you oh, were the man, first it seemed one. Seemed like the
0: natural <clears throat> thing to do. I wanted to share them with you. Anyways, I know this isn't that interesting to you, but it's funny. So we, so we come up and have the steak, had a phenomenal time. so your family is amazing. Thank you, sir. It's really so cool. And Sandy and I, my wife, we just had a blast. And I got home and the steak was unreal. Like it was otherworldly. Right? And so I get home and I go on the website of. De Debra- Braga. De Braga. Once again, De Braga, if you're listening, you need to sponsor these podcasts. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to order some more of that Wagyu steak. <laughs> Mind you, Bedros sent me like ten of them, or something like that. Yeah. And I get on there, and I'm like, "Oh my god, they're like 120 dollars a piece." That was like. Some, that I wonder some if they're just overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. It's <laughs> marketing. Anyway, so that was my introduction oh, okay. to Bedros. What a what a what a great guy you are, and um, now what an interesting life. So you are from? <laughs> you were born. In- <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this whole this whole episode for your show is going to be a shit show because I'm just laughing and crying <laughs> like okay. we did at dinner. Let's just hope that we actually can say some funny things. I'm just, just listening to my to own laughing the whole time.
0: So uh, speaking of laughing, you <laughs> had yeah. me in absolute stitches when I was up here at your place telling me about your father. <laughs> the Armenian guy... So you, you tell us about your childhood. Dude. What were the crazy things that that experiences that you had and you know who, so, shaped you? You know, not the yeah. you know, we know about some of the we all had our negative experiences, but yeah. you know,
1: what were some of the really cool, crazy things that helped shape who you are? Well well, for one, to have a father who was a member of the Communist Party in yeah, the that Soviet doesn't Union. doesn't happen for too many you know, no, in this country. No. <laughs> and one of the coolest things that would happen in Armenia, so I, we lived there until I was six years old. And then in nineteen eighty, when I was six, we escaped. The Soviet Union, and um, the story was that we're going on a little vacation to Italy because Italy at the time, and been, because he was a
0: Communist Party member, he could do that, right? He, yes, he because Italy
1: was a Communist Party sympathizer, yeah. so it made sense that we would go to Italy. Because if he says like, "Hey, we're going on vacation to the United States," like, no, yeah, right, red flag, right? Yeah, and of course we did go to Italy, and from there we beelined it right to the American consul. My dad said, "Hey, I'm a uh, political, we're political refugees. I'm." Defecting from the Soviet Union. I'm a member of the Communist Party. I have information I'll give you whatever you need so long as you let us enter the United States Ten days later, we were in the US. No kidding. Yeah flew into JFK and I don't Well, I do know now why I did wonder as a kid like why are we going to California, but Armenia specifically very cold and my dad didn't want to see any more snow, any more. <laughs> he rain. So he's like, Southern California it is. That's how we ended up here. We're going to go
0: to freedom and we're going to go to warmth. Right. That's exactly. Smart guy.
1: But so, so imagine this. He was a, a member of the Communist Party, but he wore Jordache jeans. He wore Nikes. He wore Ray-Ban sunglasses and he would listen to the Beach Boys and Elvis. Like he was the most Americanized communist on the planet, right? Interesting. And he had this. So. In Armenia, the passport or Soviet Union, all the passports are red. He had a really, really dark red one that he would keep in a drawer he would never use. That passport was a sign that he's a member of the Communist Party. So he could walk into any store and uh, do an inspection and do whatever he needs to do in support of the Communist Party for that if they feel that the person working at that store is stealing under the, you know, taking money under the table.
0: So just being a member of the Communist Party gave you that kind of control over yes. the populace yeah. interest. Yeah. And By so. By the way, I'm curious how. Yeah. Like, of the total population of Armenia, how many people were in the Communist Party?
1: 16%. 16%. 16%. And do you have to be invited or do you get to join? I mean, yes. can you like
0: pay your way in? Like no, a, no. A, a go to the website? <laughs> <laughs> want to be, okay.
1: Apply. <laughs> yeah. Apply like the PPP program right. these yeah. days? Yeah. yeah. No. Dude, that's a great story because then we come to the United States, you stay, you know, once you live here for five years, you can apply to become a citizen, right? Right. And so being a minor, I needed my mom and dad to both become citizens, and automatically I become one. My dad failed the citizenship three times, passed on the fourth time, because they were like, well, why were you a member of the Communist Party? He's like, look, I didn't have a choice. Like, no, you actually did have a choice. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I did have a choice, but if I said no, so they, they ask you, hey, Mark, you've worked your way up. Uh, into loyalty. Uh, w- would you like to be a member of the Communist Party? And if you say no, you're being shipped off to Siberia, man, and never to be right. seen again, right? And
0: right. They disappear. Yeah,
1: and so your, your response needs to be, what an honor. I'm, wow, I'm speechless. Yes, please, how can I serve Mother Russia? Mm. And so you do. And so that's how he became a member of the Communist Party. And then he takes his little dark red passport, and he throws it in the drawer, and my brother, who's... 14 years older than me so imagine he's 18 he takes my dad's passport and he uses it to take girls on a date so he he gets free food free taxi rides because you show that to anyone in town and they know exactly who you are right and they're going to treat you like royalty and so many times like other party members because he would literally go into like other parts of the community um would so imagine if like the p- police department like maybe the cops know you in your town but you go right. into a neighboring town and the cops like drag you back and like hey <laughs> right. you know this guy's doing stupid stuff so my dad would just slap his ass around left and right we we were definitely raised by the by the hand he called it the five brothers the five brothers yeah, he goes you want the five brothers no I don't it didn't matter why are you asking anyway you're gonna hit me. Right. right, right, and so anyway he 's a gentleman now, but I
0: imagine okay, so let, i don 't want to go down this rabbit hole yeah. too long, but i 've been pretty open on this podcast about my father having his own five finger plan, and he actually had a five finger extended it to the belt. he loved the bell, ah. so that was fairly effective, yeah, and my brother and i my brother actually took the brunt of it, to be honest, uh, we shared a room. <laughs> The two quick stories that you know, might bring, <laughs> spark some memories, right? We, we shared a room and my brother's bed, unfortunate for him, was closest to the door. Yeah. And so we'd be, you know, doing our thing. And, and of course, because we knew that making a lot of noise would piss my dad off and trigger him. Yeah. We did it. Because we just wanted to piss him off and trigger him. And next thing you know, he's running up the stairs and we had this big winding staircase. We could imagine the belt coming uh, off, you know, in our minds, it's like, there's the belt, it's coming off, and it's got a raise above his head, and the door would fly open and it'd be like, wham, wow. wham, wham, hit Brad. And like, maybe fifty percent of the time he would blow his steam on Brad and look at me and go, same to you, shithead.
1: <laughs> so you would just <laughs> cart, create more <laughs> noise. And then Brad's like, not fair. Did he ever try and switch beds with you? <laughs> yeah, he did, actually. I was like, no way, dude. And then the other
0: fun story, like, these are these are crazy memories. Oh, my you know, God. I laugh, we can laugh now because I've done a lot of work, right? That, yeah, yeah. That's violence. That's aggression. And it's abuse. Yeah. But you went through was abuse. Yes. You had to, You have to unwind that stuff yeah. later in the life or else, you know, it
1: stays with you. Yeah, it messes you up. Uh, you
0: one you one really fond memory I have, and this again is at my dad's expense. This is at an earlier house than this other one, but my brother's still in this bedroom and it's an attic room and the door to get in... You have to step up and duck down if you're a tall guy. But yeah. for us kids, you know, we just jump over them. <laughs> and you're in. Right. So we're doing our thing. <laughs> shut up. It takes like three shut ups, you know. And finally, here it comes. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> He's running up the stairs. His belt's coming off. He's running down the hall. And we're cowering all over here is like, boom.
1: Oh, shoot. He hit his head. <laughs> he smashed
0: his head and knocked himself completely out. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're just like hovering over him like...
1: Is he a <laughs> oh. That, you. that it reminds it, me of a great story. I knew it would trigger <laughs> yeah, yeah, something. It, it did. It did. So imagine being a foreigner in any country. The first words <laughs> you learn are usually the foul words, right? Right. And so... You know, we come to the United States. We're living in Section 8 housing, which is government-assisted housing, for those of you who don't know. And it's not always the best housing. And my dad's got a paper route. He's working. So 2 a.m., he's delivering papers. And then he goes and pumps gas at a gas station after that. And then after that shift is over, he works at a pizzeria as a busboy washing dishes. Wow. So he's, he's, he's pissed off. How old off. is he now? Uh, at that, he's so 47 years Boys. old. Okay. Right? That's where you are right now. Yeah, exactly. That's, wow. And so he's 47 years old. And you know, my older brother's working, my older sister's working, I'm the baby of the family, six years old, at home with mom. So I learn, in the apartment complex, I learned the F word. Mm-hmm. And when you learn the F word, was like, fuck, 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 I was just fucking everything, right? <laughs> because it was the F word, man. <laughs> Of course,
0: it's a big discovery at that
1: age. And apparently, my mom knew. So I, so I come into the house and I'm just like f bombing everything. And my mom's like, in Armenian, you, you got you better stop this, otherwise your dad's going to give you a whooping when he gets home. I'm not going to stop it. Like it's a lovely, beautiful word that I just learned. <laughs> you know. So he gets home, she tells him, and there's this like window that's got a couch in front of it. And for just like this wall here, there's like a little bit of room, not this much room, there's a little bit of room to get behind the couch. And so my dad's like, come here. I'm like, nope. And I don't know where he gathered all, dude, he had about 80 keys on two key rings clipped together. I don't probably
0: know. Probably most of them for Armenian.
1: Probably. Like, he wasn't that important of a man when you're like delivering newspapers and uh, you know <laughs> working at a he, had, like, this, he just didn't want to throw anything away, which is probably the culture. I think that was it. Yeah. And so I've got myself between that, that window and the couch. And I'm like, I'm not getting out. And he's trying to, you know, we're playing the couch and mouse game. So he goes, get over here or else. And he's going to throw the keys at me. And so he does. And I duck. And he smashes the window. Mm. And he gave me a beaten of a lifetime because now the apartment complex is gonna charge him for it. And man, I got a beaten so bad from him that my mom had to literally dive in. You, you know, like in W or not WWE, in um, the MMA fights at UFC, uh-huh. yeah. where the guy's just gone berserk and the other guy's gone limp. And May so the ref has to jump in and rest. just grab my mom had to jump in and just hold him and hold me and separate us. And as soon as I got free, I beelined it to the restroom, locked the door, like <gasps> But I can laugh about this shit now. And I know people watching are like, how can you guys laugh about this? Because I've done the work. You've done the work. We've processed through it. And I realized that anger, that rage came from just a lifetime of abuse that he had gone through. That's right.
0: You know, interestingly enough, what I've also learned is that there's positives come out of that stuff. Like, it it drives me crazy when someone's, like, all victim because of uh, abuse. And then they get stuck. They get locked in the victim. They don't see the positive that came out of it. Like, for me... I wouldn't have been in Navy SEAL if my dad hadn't been who he was. Right. Right? When I went to SEAL training, you couldn't hurt me. There's not a damn thing that an instructor could <laughs> do to hurt me.
1: Right. Because they had nothing on my
0: dad. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh yeah. You knew how to check out disassociates. And I knew right, I knew how to. Dis-
0: I was a great warrior. In fact, I I would I'm willing to bet that a good percentage of special ops guys had abuse. And the smart ones deal with the negative side of it, or else it does creep up on you. Yeah. And it causes you to make decisions that you're not aware of where they're coming from. They call that the shadow. Mm. Right? And see so your shadow creeps up on you. It can show up as an addiction, PTS. In fact, I, when I was talking about this with my wife the other day and with uh, some really senior SEALs how we're noticing now that military vets are showing. Symptoms of post-traumatic stress before they go to combat and I said, I know why the reason is they already have trauma and What we see in severe cases of post-traumatic stress is that that the combat magnifies that trauma tenfold hundredfold but the trauma pre-existed mm. combat and so this the stress of going to combat is already starting to trigger the trigger trauma, that trigger the trauma yeah you know, really? I have a friend, Josh Mance, who says trauma doesn't discriminate and everybody has trauma at some level, right? Even if you don't have an abusive family or father, which I don't know what percentage of people do or don't, but I know it's not uncommon, especially our generation. Right. But everyone's going to experience some trauma because, you know, the first couple of years, they say the first five years of life will determine the next 95 Mm. And even if, you know with loving parents there's times where you're left alone there's times where things happen and and the undifferentiated mind of a child that doesn't have any ego separation is
1: is traumatized right right and until that mind is able to process what it's gone through that trauma will show up in the marriage in the business right. in, in that person's just personal health That's right mental health yeah. and then when you think about as a warrior as you guys are training for combat, Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to get triggered. It's going to get triggered. Why wouldn't it? Right. I realized that arguments with my with my wife when we first got married, I would react, and only looking back, I can I can admit that she was right. It's <laughs> a big. Mess. <laughs> She's not <laughs> of the room. Took some therapy yeah. for you to be able to say yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it took sixteen months of therapy, but only in hindsight, she'd go, "Look, dude." You're you're giving me a level ten reaction to a level level three fight that we're having, uh-huh. but I w- I realize now looking back through the help of Kevin Downing, who I told you earlier was my therapist, who I worked with for sixteen months, that she would or not she would our argument would trigger a yeah. traumatic event for me that took place as a kid and you transferred all that into yeah. the argument. Right, I'm literally fighting that battle from twenty some odd years ago, and she's just like, all I did was leave the damn light on, <laughs> right? And um, it has to get processed. And if we don't process the trauma, it does show up in the darndest places, man. It really does. Yeah.
0: So this is an interesting
1: thing. I want to kind of,
0: I want to stay on that track, but I want to bring it back to the positive, right? So like the positives from from my childhood was, you know, really successful Navy SEAL leader and uh, enough business savvy because my family was in business to then, you know, become an entrepreneur and then f- Fumble, fail my mm-hmm. way forward to some success, but I never really experienced the the true success that I knew I was capable of until I started the emotional work and went deep. And I wondered if your experience was similar because you've started you know a number of businesses, but you know now Fit Body Bootcamp is really over the past five years now. What happened during the pandemic is a little right. hiccup. Yeah, a little, <laughs> right? just a little it's just hiccup. It's a small little yeah. speed bump. Yeah. Losing over 100 it'll locations come, was a little it'll hiccup. It'll come back. It'll yeah. rebound, you know, just
1: like they say the economy's going to rebound. But even that, I could sit here and laugh about, right? Like right. that... If you didn't do the emotional work, it would be hard right. to laugh about that. It would be very hard to laugh about it. But I've done the emotional work, and I've got the confidence, and, and I can tell you here like, like as sure as I'm going to take my next breath, that Fit Body Bootcamp will have twice the locations by the end of 2022 that it did uh going into the pandemic. going into the pandemic and it's simply because like a rubber band the pandemic just pulled us pulled us and stretched us tested us and now i feel like you we just like go the rubber band and we've just launched like i'm doing two and three zoom calls a day now uh and the Zoom call is the last thing that I do when we award a new franchise to someone. So right. when our sales team qualifies them, make sure they share the same right. core now, values. Now it's
0: time to bring in the boss, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
1: yeah. So I do a Zoom call making sure that, hey, look, we're going to be business partners. Here's what I expect of you. Here's what you can expect of us, blah, blah, blah. And off we go. And during the 10, 11 months of the pandemic, we had we had brought on five locations. And just this month alone, we're set to bring on four
0: and you lost a lot of locations.
1: Yeah. We lost over 100 locations yeah. out of uh, 600 locations that we had. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. So, but um, how, how many years ago did you start
1: Fitbody? 2012 is 2012. when we franchised. Yeah.
0: And I guess where I was going with this is like starting a business, and, and there's a lot of um, entrepreneurs and business people who listen to this podcast, and, and doing the kind of like, and you know, I, I used to talk about it when I started the Coronado Brewing Company. Like, I, I launched a beautiful business. And Coronado Brewing Company brews like 40,000 barrels a year th- today, and it's really successful. But I'm not involved anymore because of the emotional piece, right? It's easy to do the nuts and bolts. It's easy to be yep. task-focused and, and like, man, you know, if you're a smart guy, you're strong or uh, woman, and, and you can just drive forward, and this is the model for American business is like, go, 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 do, 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 get the strategy, get the tactics, you know, go, go, go. But there's real limitations, especially in this world that we call the VUCA world, mm-hmm. with that approach. Yeah. And what's missing is the deep awareness from the emotional development, intuitive development, spiritual strength. And so I'm curious how, that's, how that side of you played into the decisions, especially once you started and, and you realized that this is hard work.
1: Well, for me, I learned very quickly. And again, I'm a slow learner, so I learned. Me too. There you go. (laughs) That's why we like each other. That's true. (laughs) I literally learned because I thought I was having a heart attack. In fact, as, you know, we've got my book sitting up here, the first chapter is titled The Morning of My Heart Attack because I was, I'm 46 years old now. At 37 years old, I thought I was having a heart attack because I experienced my first panic attack. I experienced my first panic attack because I hadn't done the deep work. Mm -hmm. And I was just white knuckling, following process, marketing funnels, building a team, having a a product, making sure we have sales squared away. All, All those processes, like you said, anyone, any monkey, trained monkey can follow that. But your growth in business is literally, there's a glass ceiling on it. And that glass ceiling is determined by the level of development. That's right. 100%. Hundred percent emotional development, mental development, we leadership really development. You have
0: to be the person <clears throat> that's worthy of taking it to the
1: next. Bingo. Level. And so I would hit up against that glass ceiling mark, mm-hmm. and I would find myself going back to bad habits of taking excessive amounts of Vicodin to quiet my brain at night. In the morning, I'd through a string of friends that I have, I'd found my way to Adderall, and so Vicodin and Nyquil overuse of NyQuil. I'm not talking about the little cap. The cap gets thrown out. You drink half the bottle, chase it with a few Vicodin, and then you fall asleep to quiet the mind, only to wake up and have coffee, pre-workout, and a few Adderall pills just to get started. So I found that every time I would hit up against this glass ceiling, I would go back to the vices, I would go back to emotional eating, and I would just start suffering in silence, which means me and my wife became these passing ships in the night. Right. And it wasn't until those, that panic attack that I had, which I really did think it was a heart attack, that I started the self work. And even then, it was I always tried to t- I tried to take the easy way. I told you on the earlier uh, on the uh, Empire show, I went to the doctor and I said, "Can you give me some medicine? Can you give me some pills for this?" I didn't want to do. I knew what I had to do, yeah. but I wanted Xanax I of, instead. Pill for emotional development. Right. Right. It's like, we don't
0: really have that yet. <laughs> Not <laughs> yet.
1: Yeah. But, but I saw Limitless. <laughs> and he just <laughs> took a pill. <laughs> right? So anyway, after three weeks of seeing that Xanax isn't going to work because it just killed all creativity and I was drooling out the side of my mouth, I I, I started working with a therapist. And it was a 16-month yeah. experience working with a therapist where the deep work started and continues and, and could you... Track um,
0: changes in your decision making and and the growth in the business to that work.
1: My decision making, my level of communication, mm-hmm. the growth of the business. Even with this pandemic, if this pandemic happened pre deep work, could be crippling. Yeah, it it, it would have it would have it probably caused a divorce, or it would have led me down to some addictive vice mm-hmm. that would have been the end of me mm-hmm. because my mind would have gone down a toilet bowl. I was just like, all right, we'll just figure out how else we can make money while gyms aren't making money. Mm -hmm. I get it. Like We were on the Inc. 500 list three years in a row, Entrepreneur Magazine's uh, 150 fastest growing franchises. And I was so proud of that and that had become my identity. And all of a sudden the pandemic comes and gyms are shutting down left and right. And I'm the CEO of a fitness franchise and gyms are shutting down left and right, my identity back then would have been tied to this yes. and it would have been a, a direct attack on who I am mm-hmm. and I'm not capable and how dare they. And of course, the emotional reaction. Now I respond to a situation. Mm-hmm. Back then, I used to emotionally re- react to things. And of course, when there was tension, I was passive aggressive and then I would blow up. It, there was no like slow build up. Mm-hmm. It was just passive aggressive, passive aggressive, and then blow up at someone. And this pandemic was just like, Oh, cool. Guess what? The world's going to go back to normal. We don't know how long. Let's not think that it's going to be a couple months. So we're going to shift our business to online coaching, and we're going to grow our supplement company instead. Mm-hmm. And so we put our supplement company, literally went from 400000 a month in revenue to $1.5 million a month in revenue two months into the pandemic, mm-hmm. because I just changed my focus. Mm-hmm. And I said my identity is not tied to the franchise. My identity is tied to being a good husband, being a role model father, being a good servant to society. And I could continue to serve Mm -hmm. and be a good husband and be a good father and mentor my team through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. But the old me would have completely panicked, Mm -hmm. freaked out, hit the glass ceiling and shattered.
0: That's awesome. And I love, there's so many ways we could take this because this idea of identity or story is so, is so critical for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Right? It's that, that we're all living a story. And if you do not do this type of work, and, and, and the work of self awareness, can, you can have an entry point. Most people, frankly, will have an entry point through an emotional breakdown, like yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. That's the most common. It wasn't mine. Mine was through meditation, but then it led me to uncover. Right stuff that then you know. So I never had a major breakdown, but I did have the midlife crisis we talked about, where yeah. I was like, desperately terrified because I was heading down the wrong path fast.
1: Yeah, and that's. But what but to be so self aware at 21 years old, like I wish I had that gift. You know, looking back, I wish I had a lot of things. But I I wish I was had an Armenian mom with a cybers. <laughs> 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 in my in my stash, stash. I'm gonna tell her you said that. No, don't tell me. I am. That. <laughs> <laughs> they live right here now too. Okay. Shoot. he's coming. Uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's it's your entry point was through meditation. I was lucky,
0: yeah, to stumble upon that.
1: But, again, at the end of the day, we all had to do what? The work. Got to do the work. Because to stumble upon it and go, okay, I see there's something really gross and ugly that needs to be addressed. How many people know that in their life, in their marriage, in their health, yeah. with their relationship, with their kids, in their business, and then never do anything they about it? They don't
0: do Because it's hard. It is. And it's, it's, it's not fun. It's and, not sexy. And we have
1: so many distractions and it's so easy to
0: just, oh, well, tomorrow's, you know, Sunday's the Super Bowl. I, I, I'll deal with this next week. And next week never comes nope. because you keep kicking the can down the road. And then that leads to that midlife crisis. Yeah. yeah. Or a serious health breakdown mentally, physically, mm-hmm. and emotionally. Yeah. Which – So you've got to be – you've got to work on your being – while you work on your doing, it's kind of like the saying, you know, a lot of business coaches will say, you got to work in the business while you work on the business. When I say that's true, but you also got to work on yourself while you work in the business and on the business. Yeah. And your business can only grow, and you said this is truly, only grow to the level of your own development.
1: Yeah. I forget who the author was um, of uh, 21 Laws of Leadership. Robert Green, right? Or maybe it was Robert Green. And he talks about how leadership is the lid. L- leadership is the lid. Mm-hmm. And th- that's so true. And-, and leadership, as we talked about again earlier, well, how do you become a great leader? You have to do the self-work, tr- process through the traumas that you had, become a better decision maker, learn to communicate, understand there's many different personalities, know when you need to lead and when you need to follow. Mm-hmm. And all those things only happen when you become self-aware, do the work kind of lean into authenticity or vulnerability. And if we don't, then we want to just just bully our way through things. Yeah. And that's when you have high turnover in business. That's when you have lots of lawsuits. That's when you have a chaotic and relationship with your mm-hmm. kids, with your spouse. And I got to tell you, since I've, I've lived both lives, mm-hmm. it's so much easier running a bigger, more complex organization now as I'm whole Right. than a smaller, less complex business that I felt like I was white-knuckling, holding on, because I wasn't whole. I hadn't right. done the work.
0: Yeah, totally get that. And and <clears throat> so being whole, to me, means, it, like, first of all, there's no there there, right? We're always becoming mm-hmm. whole. We're always becoming more. We're always becoming, I guess, um, finding our real truth. Yep. Yeah. And then that what that leads to is that first and foremost of importance is the service. Health, service to your own health and your spiritual side, mm-hmm. right? God, if you will. Service to your family, service to the community, service to the world. That's first and foremost. How you serve then is the doing part. Yeah. And that's, okay, so in your current form, it's Fit Body Book but, but, you know, Someone might come along and buy it from you in two years, then guess what? You got to find a new doing way to serve people.
1: And in fact, a dear friend of mine, uh, Sharon Stravatsa, um, he bought a real estate company, Kingston Lane. He bought a real estate company. He bought into a real estate company, came on board as a CEO, and they gave him lots of equity. He bought into it. And he knew that the real estate industry was like cyclical every five years or so. He built this company from doing $300 million in sales to $3 billion in sales, and they sold it. In that five-year period, he had become the company. He had be- His identity was it. When I met him, it was post-sale. He had a massive exit, massive mm-hmm. exit. I met him on a private jet. And I was going to be flying to Arizona to speak at an event. And a mutual friend of myself and Sharon's reaches out and says, hey, Sharon's going to be at that event. And he wants to know if you would join him. On a private jet since he's going to Scottsdale anyway? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Yeah. I was Why gonna fly commercial. Sure, I'll fly private. So we're literally sitting kneecap to kneecap across from each other. And I'm like, hey man, I really appreciate this opportunity. And like, is there anything I could do for you? He's like, actually the reason I wanted you on this plane with me is so I can have 45 minutes of your undivided time because I'm lost, I'm depressed, I have no idea who I am. And it was literally a byproduct of what, and which got me thinking, what happens when I sell Fit Body Bootcamp? Because we're actually entertaining, uh, selling 80% of our equity right now. And what happens when I sell Fit Body Bootcamp? What's next? And I've always thought that my identity was going to be tied into what I'm doing until that anxiety attack happened. Mm -hmm. And I met with Sharon and I worked with my therapist and I realized i got to always have what's next. You see yeah. this happen with NFL athletes. Right. They they are just live and breathe for that sport, and then they retire and die. I see it with Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs. Yeah. Anybody sure high anybody performing. Who's,
0: yeah. Any high performer or anybody who is overly identified with the doing side, with, yeah. their, with their accomplishments, that's their ego. Their ego is saying, that's me. Yeah. And the mistake that the ego is not them. We had this conversation earlier mm-hmm. about the difference between your thoughts and emotions and... And who you really are? Yeah, who you really are is like the being work. Like find that out, and you recognize that that's all you need. You know, it's like that saying: you can't take anything with you, but you can die trying. Yeah. There's nobody on their deathbed who says, "Man, I am so happy that I built Fit Body Boot Camp right. and sold it for a billion dollars." No, they're saying, "Man, I got beautiful kids, and yeah, and I was a good dad." Right.
1: Yeah. So I am I'm I'm happy I'm grateful that that anxiety attack happened to me that I invested the time and it wasn't easy man calling up a therapist and cuz I always thought therapists are for broken people yeah. you know you know what here's
0: the thing for all you guys listening therapy is important
1: game changer right?
0: call it mental or uh, emotional coaching if you will yeah. do whatever you need little tricks in your brain to make it okay because it's a game changer
1: and and it's I felt like work. one of the cuz it's, it's funny the little mental games you're talking about, yeah. I had to do that because obviously being a, a fitness franchisor, the story of becoming a fitness franchisor was that I was a personal trainer. Right. And so I was a coach. I coached people in their fitness and fat loss. they so are not supposed to have any problems. <coughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yet I didn't believe in the value of having a mental coach, an emotional coach. Uh, that's for other people. They're broken. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen to them. Well, guess what? Bad things have happened to me. If you get to a certain place in life, like no one escapes trauma, whether it's verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Um, and I was very open and I shared earlier that you know, about my sexual abuse as a kid between the ages of four and six, I was abused sexually by two older boys on a consistent basis in Armenia. Can
0: I just pause and say you know what they're learning like how prevalent that shit is. Oh my God, and the, like,
1: dude. sexual abuse in the, in the military.
0: Especially among women, but obviously it's both, both yep. sexes.
1: One out of every four people have had sexual, some form of sexual abuse. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's globally or is it in this culture?
1: Uh, globally. And that was from the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Tr- amazing book. book. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you, you know, when, dude, for 37 years, I kept that to myself. I kept that to myself until I worked with a the therapist because my wife Shame, couldn't Shame, guilt. Yep. Confusion, yeah.
0: Confusion rage. Yeah.
1: Nobody could know, and yet that governed. It was almost like if my brain is the operating system, the operating system had a virus on it that would cause me to self-sabotage because I felt shame, rage, confusion, unworthy, broken, unlovable. Dude, such
0: a great metaphor. Yeah. It is kind of like a virus. Yeah. It infects your being.
1: It infects your being. It, yeah. it literally puts The way I described it to Kevin, I said, Kevin, right now, you're a threat to me. Kevin was my therapist. I said, right now, you're a threat to me. He goes, how come? I go, because I don't know you, and I don't know what your intentions are. Like logically I do, but fight or flight is saying, don't trust this guy. Mm -hmm. And so thank God he took four weeks to work with me on my anxiety and panic attacks Mm -hmm. instead of coming out the gate and saying, hey, what happened to you as a kid? Mm -hmm. In those four weeks, we built a rapport. I felt safe when he asked me, how was your childhood? I felt safe with him. To say this is what happened to me, like the man is just a brilliant dude. Again, I should be sponsored by Kevin and Debraga's steak. <laughs>
0: <laughs> by the way, you bring up a really interesting uh, memory of mine, and because you know, with our clients, we 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 work on multidimensional development. We call sure. it the five mountains. And you you mentioned right earlier, you got to do, do the physical work, got to do the mental work, got to do the emotional work, got to do the spiritual work, and you got in our view, we do those all together. Yeah. And when you do them together, then it unlocks a lot of growth. And then mm-hmm. you get this accelerated growth where you become more whole and you get greater perspectives on the world and yourself. And, and, and life takes on a different meaning. And the meaning is not about what I accomplish in the world. It's about who I am yeah. and how I show up. Yeah. So, at any rate, so with clients, like high-end clients, we're like, okay, we, you know, how are we doing? You got to get some emotional coaching, You know, go get a therapist. And often what will happen is, you know, after a a couple months, you know, a client will be like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Or I had one client say, yeah, my my therapist fired me. And I'm like, oh, why? She goes, because she said that I was done, you know, I didn't have any more work to do. And I was just like chuckling to myself and like, I'm sure that's exactly what she said. Right,
1: right, right. (laughs)
0: What she really meant was you're not willing to go to the next level. Yeah. She doesn't want to take your money until you are. Yeah. Right? So... Emotional work, you got to look at like an onion. You know, there's there's the top layer and, mm. and most people don't even want to go there. But they go there and they think, oh, yeah, I got it. Whether it's four weeks or four months or whatever. I got this, you know. Check. No check. Like, un- uncheck. Keep there's peel. another layer. And there's another layer. And another. like for me, I'm waiting for another layer. And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs>
1: okay, what's in it? Isn't there? all of life? the process of peeling back the layers i think so it it, will never get to that nucleus of that center of that uh, olive onion i think the
0: center is your spirit like that's your raw spirit yeah
1: and you go you got to go in in order to bring it out yeah into the world yeah
0: and in one layer it's good better than nothing but it's not enough.
1: So much of it has to do, well, well although I can't really say this because at 21, you had the wherewithal, but you are not the norm. And I think you know that where that's concerned. You had the wherewithal to do some internal I got lucky. checking in with yourself. Even at 16, when you were just like, hey, I'm going to go for 12, 13, 14, 15 hours into the woods, into the mountains. And you're like, I think I feel something. I feel something no. from within, right? Like I don't remember experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And so that's awesome that you had that. But most of us, I think part of it is wisdom. As you grow older and you've had some experiences, you're like, you know what? Fuck it. Maybe (laughs) people aren't going to judge me after all. And if they do, I don't really care. That's right. And so I do have a therapist. I have been molested. I'll just start listening off the laundry. Like, I don't even want to talk about my successes anymore. I want to talk about all the ways I'm fucked up and broken. That's how people learn too. Yeah. I
0: want to learn. I mean, you want to hear your successes are interesting, but the learning is things that people can connect with.
1: Yes. Yes, and, and, and so there comes a time, I think, especially in a man's life, I think men probably, and you'll know this better than I do, exercise or see the world through ego more than women. I think, I think women so. can be a little more vulnerable, Yeah. whereas White, men, definitely. yeah, we're fists up with everything. Right. But, but, but I've learned, man, when, when we sell Fit Body Boot Camp, the work... service continues it's just how I'll be serving humanity will be different and I have an idea obviously I've got two more books I plan on writing Mm -hmm. I'm now created this thing called the project the modern day night project helping men Build themselves up in faith, family, fitness, and finance nice. to have a greater sense of fulfillment. Sounds a lot
0: like uh, this guy came through SealFit, named Garrett White, created a program called Wake Up Warrior. Wake Up Warrior, yep. And he had a similar idea that to mm-hmm. help men through uh, you know, yeah. overcome business struggles, but by becoming a different better yeah. person, waking up to their potential.
1: And exactly, Be- becoming a better man, a better a man of service, and not having your identity tied to money and there's nothing wrong with it. I love money. I love money. I love the experiences it gives me. I love the stakes that I can buy for my friends. I love <laughs> <laughs> I love money. Money's a vehicle to freedom and I could donate to charities and causes. But right. if and I, the
0: more money the more you can serve.
1: Yes. But the, but the money's flowing. It's an it's it, an energy source. Bingo. It's not meant to be <laughs> hoarded and, you know. not meant to be a chevron on my arm of, right. of my value or right. worth or right. status. Right. But it used to be yeah it's, it's almost like i've got two lives man pre-anxiety attack post anxiety attack yeah. because money then was that
0: was your way yeah,
1: yeah i needed that
0: there's a leadership author uh Zalesnik, i think and he he almost used a, a like a biblical term for this he said leaders real leaders are twice born
1: oh that's profound isn't that cool Really twice born, so twice you had
0: or... a rebirth as a leader. Yeah, as a at first as a human, but then of course, yeah, your leader in terms of every man is, yeah, every woman is too. But every man's a leader of their family, hopefully, yeah, leader of something, right? And that's why we're put in this planet, yeah. the man's role, and the twice born leader is the one who's Oof. woken up to their ego to the f- falsity of that story, and then they begin to live on a different path.
1: Yeah. Do you know just through your experience, is there an average age or season of life that people come to that awakening?
0: It's typically right around what when you had it. Now, of course, it's changing, right? Our world is changing because of what we're doing right here, right? What we're doing is helping others have insight to this issue whereas they might not have had insight to this issue and they might be able to look at that and be like holy shit i need to get a therapist and they might be 30 or 28 right yeah whereas when we grew up or when i grew up you know for of course i mean this iphone sitting next to me with a little clock running that certainly didn't exist with three tv channels on the tv right you know and and that helped me with my meditation because i My brain was able to concentrate more. I didn't have all that distraction. I hadn't been trained in that distraction. But I think still there's also way more to it than just those things, the the availability of information. And I think it really is, you know, this is more of a spiritual concept. It's your your karmic path, right? Like we we have this reason that we're on this planet. And when we're living the false story, then you're not living in alignment with the reason it be a great title of the book, right? Sure. It's your calling, right?
1: Right. The call. It's the reason you're
0: here. And so, the, the more you live that false story, the further and further you get away from the reason, the more painful it gets. Mm-hmm. More and friction you, in your life. And so, the more you then drown out that cry of your spirit through more distraction, more alcohol, more sex, more drugs, more Xanax, mm-hmm. then the more you barrel towards some breakdown. And depending upon either when that's supposed to happen, you know, or depending upon how physically strong you are and you're just gutting through it, that breakdown going to happen. There's only so long that the human being can deal with that dichotomy. Right. Right? And some people, man, they can deal with it their entire life and then they're on their deathbed and they're just absolutely in despair.
1: Well, they up. don't. Yeah.
0: And then others, but then they can find peace, right?
1: Yeah, you're they right. Can moment, they can find peace in a moment or yeah. in a
0: few days before their death. And that's great. Others find it really early, like I did. And, but I think the average is in their 40s. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it happened to me at 37, happened to your friend of mine at 38, happened to another friend of mine at 38. And I started seeing this pattern. I did see a pattern. And, and I don't know if just kind of life culminates for the average guy right around then <laughs> Or something happens where we're not able to just white knuckle through anymore, mm-hmm. but that was a very pivotal moment for me And it's it's neat to hear you The, the way you said it said you said somebody they, we enter How did you describe that you said we enter there's a there's an entrance or there's a pathway to Self-development or doing that mm-hmm. self-work, right and for me it came through by way of that anxiety attack but what I, where I was trying to go with this is I do remember rationalizing it Mm -hmm. and saying, well, I'm having panic attacks and anxiety attacks because our franchise is growing. Like I remember actually saying this to my wife, like, look, this is happening because our franchise is growing and we need more employees and I'm just not, I don't know much about franchising yet, so I'm gonna learn about it. Really, this is all happening, not because I need to do the self work, but because of this Mm -hmm. exterior outside thing Mm -hmm. taking place. And my wife is very well in tune with the Brahman, <laughs> with the universe. And she's like, hey, do you think that there's maybe some issues that you need to talk through and work through with someone because bringing back up the fact that you will get into an argument over something small that's a three on the Richter scale and you show up as a nine or a ten. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I was like, yeah, maybe there is. Maybe mm-hmm. there is. But it was such a neat thing to be able to do that do that work. That's um, amazing. Yeah.
0: What is your like daily practice consist of right now?
1: For the last 9 years, I developed a morning routine that I believe sets me up to win the day. Now, being an entrepreneur, you might walk into a situation where somebody HR walks up to you and says, "Hey, we have to deal with a the lawsuit." Mm-hmm. There there'll always be ambushes there'll throughout be my some, day.
0: There's going to be something.
1: But that said, I'll wake up at 5.30 every day, and I even have this goofy little routine. I'm a big believer that if you hit the snooze button, you are already breaking the first promise to yourself that Mm -hmm. you set the night before, Mm -hmm. right? And you're telling your subconscious mind that I'll take 10 more minutes of interrupted sleep over waking up and living my path and my purpose. I love that. And so i set the alarm for 530, but the rule – I operate by rules because I'm, I'm – if I don't have rules, I'll go off the hinges. That's me. Like more is always better for me. So a little bit of cocaine is good. A lot must be better. <laughs> right? Same with pizza. One slice is good. Of course. Five boxes. I'm really on the pizza right. part. <laughs> right.
0: I'm not sure about the cocaine. I yeah. Done that.
1: Yeah. I've I only <laughs> done cocaine once and uh, thankfully – my addictive habit kicked me into doing it a lot, and it was such a bad experience that I never did it again. Um, but, anyways, having said that, um, I lost my train of thought. Where are we going? Morning ritual. Oh, morning ritual. And so I wake up at 5 30. I've got, and so I know that I'm human, that I'm going to be tempted to hit the snooze button. And if I stack, I always look at life. Life is all about stacking either W's or L's wins or losses. And so if I hit the snooze button, my first act of the day is a L, it's an L, huh? telling my subconscious mind to start stacking more L's. So mm-hmm. since I'm human, I've turned off the actual snooze feature. There's a, the, you can turn that feature off where when your alarm goes off, all you can do is turn it off. If you want more sleep, you have to go and reset no, your that's alarm. Why I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, oh. so I've turned off the snooze feature because I'm human and the snooze button is tempting. Wake up at 5.30 or sooner. If my eyes open between that 30-minute window, 5 and 5.30, I'll just get up. Uh, 30 ounces of water immediately. And I learned that through Sean Stevenson, who wrote the book Sleep Smarter and Eat Smarter. Great books. Uh, 30 ounces of water immediately. Shower. Go downstairs. And uh, send out three gratitude text messages to three people I'm thankful and grateful for. uh, First thing in the morning. And that is also a selfish thing. Because no matter how shitty my day gets after that. It makes you feel good, I feel good, and sometime throughout the day, those three people are going to respond, and they always go, thank you so much, that meant so much to me, I really needed to hear that. So it's like, three people patted me well, on the you back. You give
0: back what you give out.
1: That's it. That's, That's awesome. it. Yeah. And so after I send out this And those- they get
0: back twice, because you leave a carbon copy mm. on you when you do that yes. nice act, and then it also comes back to you, like so you that. get a twofer. Yep.
1: Yep. Anyways. Sorry. And so it'll be a little bit of journaling after that, just 10, 15 minutes of just putting thoughts to paper. And then the night before, I made my, what I call my GSD list, get shit done list in the notes section. Mm -hmm. It's usually three to five things that I call the needle movers. Mm -hmm. They move the needle of either meaning or money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are the two things that I am currently after. In life because I use a lot of my money to donate to Shriners Children's Hospital mm-hmm. and Compassion International. I'm just, I'm, I have a soft spot for those two organizations. For the last decade, we've been donating to them. And so money and meaning. Uh, and so it might be a phone call to a friend that's, you know, hey, I'm going to need your help in donating money or in this thing we can do together to raise money. So I'll go to my GSD list. By this point, it's 9am. Um, I'll have a protein shake and off to the gym I go go and work out, come here to HQ, shower up, and I'm ready to take on the day with my team.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, but my real deep work happens between 7 and 9 a.m. on my business. And then, of course, from the time I woke up, 5.30 to 7 a.m., just that gratitude text messages Mm -hmm. and some journaling, um, playing with Cookie. You you met Cookie, our dog. Mm -hmm. She requires the ball being kicked 12 times. (laughs) Uh, She's got me well trained. (laughs) Yeah, but it's... but I, the biggest thing is stack that first W. Yeah. Get that first W and you'll have more W's throughout the day. And then what I realized is, people go, hey, what's the secret to becoming a multimillionaire? There is no one secret. Just stack little wins and those little wins make today a win. And today makes you seven of those and now you have a, a week that you won. Mm-hmm. Do four of those, you have a month that you won. Do 12 of those, you won a year. Do 10 of those, you've won a decade. That's right. Like, That's Let's how da- I win. Daisy chain it. Yeah. And the only thing to add to
0: that is to make sure you're clear about where you want that decade to go.
1: Yes. Yes. You don't
0: have to have a perfect idea of what a, the end point is cuz you don't want to you don't want to try to define that cuz then you lose the magic and the mystery and you're, yeah. you're going to be let down. But you want to know where you're going. Like where is your true north or what's yeah. the vision? Yeah. And that takes, you know, that that also probably happens in that Five to seven thirty time period, right? Mm -hmm. That's when you work on the vision. That's when you get the ideas with your journaling. That's the same thing with mind time, right? Yep.
1: Well, you ask yourself, and you know, these days people ask on social media, "How do I find my purpose?" And I, I I used to be that guy asking myself, "How do I find my purpose?"
0: It's not like you have to do a treasure hunt out here, right? right.
1: It's not found. It's not to be found. It's it's not lost in the first place. You you, you develop your purpose, like what really feels meaningful and fulfilling to me and significant, serving people. Like, I realized that. I used to wake up at 4 a.m. to train my first client at 5 a.m. at the Diamond Bar LA Fitness. She was a very angry police detective, an LAPD, angry, bitter at life but man i could put a smile on her, on her face first thing in the morning that's awesome and i used to love waking up and doing that and first thing in the morning people have morning breath and sometimes they're not too pleasant and sometimes when you're stretching them out they fart and mark i didn't care look, look like this is a down and dirty part about about personal training that people don't tell you you know i got a friend who's a dentist he goes his name is mark costas he goes uh you know Every day, people walk in and go, I hate dentists. I hate dentists. He goes, all day long, I hear, I hear people telling me they hate dentists. And then he goes, what they didn't tell me in dental school is when you're in people's mouths, you get their blood, you get their pus, you get their spit all over you. I'm like, shoot, Mark, I never <laughs> thought of that. I always thought dentists are like these, like, you know, stand-up people. He's like, he goes, I fucking hate my life. <laughs> Interestingly enough, he sold his four practices, and now he's like a real estate investor and enjoying life. But... You know, there's things that you, about every industry that you don't know, right? <laughs> right? And one of them in personal training is the morning <laughs> nor, bread. Nor do you want to know. or, right or do you want to know. So anyway, all that. But I, I was like, okay, what, what do I enjoy? I didn't enjoy necessarily working at a restaurant as a fry cook when I was a fry cook at Disneyland. But I certainly enjoy serving people and just helping them, developing them. Well, what other areas could I help develop them? From fitness, it led to their mindset. From mindset, it led to that I've got this gift of entrepreneurship. And now I coach and consult entrepreneurs. And, and I like that. And then from there, it's like, well, I coach and consult male and female entrepreneurs. And I like working with male entrepreneurs more simply because I understand them more and more of them show up all messed up like I am. And I realize they need to do the self work. So I, I go, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to make money. And they go, yeah, I'll take that. And once they give me that $50,000 for the year of coaching. I wrap that making money thing up with self-development and the self-work. And let me introduce you to Kevin. I've referred 27 of my coaching (laughs) clients now to Kevin. You sell
0: them what they want and give them what they need.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I realize how much I like that. And so my purpose, as my seasons of life go on, my purpose just keeps developing into now this thing called the project. And I don't know what's next, but I can tell you it'll be serving humanity in some capacity to help them elevate to their higher self. Bingo. Bingo. In God in the process, so I become you become a better more version whole of me, when,
0: right? You're working with teens for you know helping with the rites of passage, which is a huge issue yeah. in our culture. Yeah, tell us about that. Now, I know we got to wrap up pretty soon.
1: Yeah, so actually through the project, so the project is a 75 hour men's development thing where actually uh, one of your peers, Ray Kerr, former Care, Ray Cash Kerr, Ray Cash Kerr, former Navy Seal, uh, he runs the program for me, and he's the head instructor for the project. I teach the business and mindset development. Um, We have some subject matter experts. But it's 75 hours, and these men go through this experience. And every one of them who go through it are usually married, have kids, and are business owners. Mm -hmm. And they go, man, I wish I had this when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I go, man, I wish I had this as a kid Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And when my wife was pregnant with Andrew, her uncle, Uncle John, who's our CPA, full Mm -hmm. circle there with the CPA stuff, Uncle John gave me this book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. I forget the author's name. Interesting. Great book. And it was talking about how there were exactly what you described on the show earlier, which was these tribes, these communities would send their young, you know, 13, 14-year-olds out into the into the forests, and you stay out there for a period of time. And when you if you survive mm-hmm. and you come back, we will now accept you mm-hmm. as a man, as a leader of a you have a seat at the table, as Joseph Campbell says. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that all stopped, that rite of passage where, you know, young girls like my daughter, Chloe, she started to sprout boobs. She had a very physical thing that happened. She had a menstrual cycle, a very physical thing. What what happens to a young man that says you are now a man? Mm -hmm. Nothing, Nothing, nothing. Yet we have this like internal drive, but we're taught to suppress it. And so nothing physical happens. And so that rite of passage was needed. So after reading Raising a Modern Day Knight and after creating that rite of passage experience for my son... A friend of mine owns a uh, shoot house in Boise, Idaho. He's a former SWAT operator, and I said his name is Matt. I said, Matt, would you mind if I fly Andrew out here uh, to your place along with nine other men that I really look up to, and we can just put Andrew through a really tough day mm-hmm. of just like stress and overwhelm because it's you know clearing rooms and all that stuff. But we're not going to use obviously real ammunition. Like use the simulation stuff that you got, you have. And he set this whole experience up. And at the end of the day, we formed a circle around my son, and I asked each of these men who I respect and and look up to, to pour into Andrew and give one piece of advice that they wish they had when they were thirteen. And you know, these were guys like former Rangers and the SWAT guy, and and a, a, a Green Beret, and entrepreneur friends of mine, and all of us were crying, just crying, saying, like, we wish we had someone do this to us. And all of that was learned from that book, Raising a Modern Day Knight. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, okay, these guys are asking about it. I did it with Andrew. Maybe I need to create this experience where Mm -hmm. fathers and their sons who are 13 to 15 years old can come out for a day to our compound here and we can put them through this experience and at the end – build that circle around them. So it's a very physical experience. No one can quit. It's not like ringing a bell and quit. Mm -hmm. Fathers and sons together. And then we peel the fathers off, peel them away because your protector is now gone. Just like back in the old days, uh, the men in the tribe would put on masks and they would come into the house and they would peel that young boy away from the mom, from the mom's arms. And it would start off by, then they would start fighting that boy, intentionally losing the fight, and the idea was, you're no longer mom's boy, you are now fighting, the masks Where you're fighting the gods, if you will, and by beating the gods, then they would take the mask off and they'd slap it on the boy's face, and they would say, now you're one of us, and now go into the forest, and when you come out, you'll be a man, and we're gonna start giving you a seat at the table and forging you into a man. That doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And we need that. We need Mm -hmm. protectors. We need providers. We need savage servants. And uh, one of my favorite quotes, I hope I don't slaughter this, is uh, strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create strong men. That's
0: awesome. (laughs) We're in that we're in it. We're in that. We're in it. Weak men create bad times.
1: Jiminy, Christmas, we're in it. So yeah. anyway, that's what the, squ- so we call it the squire program yeah. because, you know, so, yeah. and but when we peel the fathers away halfway through the uh, squire program, it's a 14 hour experience, about six hours. We peel the fathers away and we bring them here to HQ. And then myself, Ray, and uh, this uh, guy, Aaron, who works with us, we mentor those kids and put them through hardship and Really like, hey, dad's not here to support you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, start making decisions. How old are these kids? 13 to 15. 13 to 15. I
0: think you said
1: that. Yeah, and the four things we teach them during that time is you're going to lead, you're going to problem solve, you're going to communicate, and you're going to ask for help. Teamwork. Nice. And we constantly create scenarios for them over that six-hour period uh, for them to have that experience. And we give them direct feedback. And we are harsher with them. And then as the dads come, they literally, every single dad goes, holy shit, this is a different young man. Mm -hmm. The a different young man at the end we have a great dinner together graduation etc and it's something i wish i had
0: yeah no kidding me too um
1: so so it's it's that i would do for free for the rest of my life if if i could and who knows i might once yeah. we sell the you franchise a right profit or something yeah. yeah or franchise that's good yeah, yeah exactly
0: yeah wow well we could talk forever but um we're not going to Okay.
1: <laughs> well, we need conversation for the next steak dinner. That's
0: right. We're going to save something for that next wagyu dinner. That's right. Man up. Um, this is about your life and, and your lessons of life. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's, I, I'm I'm going to read it.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like normal, normally, I try to read these, but I keep saying that I try to read the book. Dude, before, don't bother before I do the interview. <laughs>
1: But I think it's pretty cool. Coolio. coolio. <laughs> I think you're pretty coolio. And by the way, I've been a big fan for many years. And so to me, it is very surreal not only to be sitting here and talking to you, but having you at my house for dinner and to be able to interview you for my show. So it's just crazy how hard work does pay off. And the people that you look up to and you've learned from, you could sit at like I had a seat at the table with you. Yeah. That is a pretty fucking cool thing, man. So cool. I appreciate that opportunity as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: yeah Likewise. Yeah. Thanks for your time today. Um, where do we find out about the project and, and Squire? Because I know people can Google Fit Body Bootcamp. Mm-hmm. You can go to Amazon and buy this awesome book. Yep. We can look for your future books. But man, this, this work you're doing with the project and the Squire is really valuable.
1: Yeah. So the best place for that is just to find me on Instagram at Bedros Koolian and to send me a DM. And it's one of those things where we do it organically. You don't
0: have a website or
1: anything like that. We, we, do, we literally don't have a website for it. And what I do is I take the people and I put them on the phone with Ray or Steve, the SEAL or the Marine. And they explain to them what it is and how it works and how much it is and say, do you want to do it? And the answer is yes. Great, you can do it. Yeah. Um, or they can just go to manup.com and, you know, fill out a form there. But there's no, like, committed website yet. Yeah. We will have yeah. one yeah. soon. Yeah.
0: What's the Instagram handle again?
1: At, at Bedros Coolion at Bedros Coulion. Coolio Coolio <laughs> <laughs> at Bedros Kulio. <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> awesome Bedros thanks so much for your time today
1: <laughs> thank rock, you Mark man. appreciate you man oh, yeah, thank you so yes, much sir thank you
0: that's it folks thanks for joining us uh, go check out Bedros and his work and uh, man if you got a if you got a boy send him send him to Instagram or you go to Instagram or DM is that what they call it yes sir D- look at you you're so hip man yeah. <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> and until next time, <laughs> stay focused and uh, be Coolio. Be Coolio. Oh yeah. Divine o.